Hello. In this interview, I catch up with Alex Galvez, who is one of the top influencers on LinkedIn in the UK at the moment. She co-created an incredible global network of events called LinkedIn Local and encourages people and businesses to communicate with authenticity. This is a recommended listen if you want to up your game on LinkedIn. Hello, Alex. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thanks for having me. So in 2017, you were named one of the top influencers in the UK by LinkedIn. And your mission, as I took it from your website, is to inspire, motivate and empower graduates and professionals by giving them the tools, strategies to lead an authentic and fulfilled career that aligns their values, passions and goals. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful, but actually it's a really um, interesting mission. You know, in fact, you've actually got something quite concrete and targeted. So I, I like that. Could you just tell me a little bit more about what you do just holistically? What's the top level uh, Alex do? Yes. Um, where do I begin? Um, so I, I do various things. Um, I guess I could sort of break them down into three areas. So firstly, I do a lot of graduate and youth development work. Um, so working around employability skills, upskilling young people at universities, career fairs, um, and also with consultancies like Deloitte and Shell, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my main sort of bread and butter and what I do day to day is a lot around helping people build their personal brands and business brands on LinkedIn. Um, That's through coaching workshops, going to conferences and talking there. Um, And then I've got a huge involvement with um, something called LinkedIn Local, which started off as a bit of a small idea with four people around the world, myself included, around getting people to meet offline and network in person with no agenda, sales pitch, that sort of thing. So um, that was sort of a little idea that then snowballed into this massive global movement and has now sort of taken over my life and career (laughs) in a great way. Um, But obviously it takes a lot of my time. And off the back of that, I set up a um, startup called Local X with those co-founders that are helping businesses build communities themselves. That's great. And um, we'll come back to those two because I want to dig in a little bit more. I'm specifically interested in the events and how you started that and, and, and momentum because it's something that's quite close to my heart. Um, yeah. Now, originally, I heard of you from a friend of mine, Ruth Parry in Herefordshire, and she mentioned how inspiring your um, your hashtag. I'm going to do the hashtag sign, but no one can see that. Your hashtag authentic Alex posts were on LinkedIn. She said they're really good and I, I must look you up. So I, I did and checked you out later. And you, you know, you, it's I was fascinated really by not only the original posts that got you where to, where you are, but also the, the LinkedIn local events. Um, could you take us back to why you started uh, these authentic Alex posts and, and how they snowboarded and, and grew over time? Yeah, so I'd been on LinkedIn since July 2015, and I was writing sort of blogs around career and personal development, trying to um, essentially sort of share nuggets of wisdom and information with young people that I felt that when I was in their shoes, I didn't find easily accessible. So that was sort of my start of of my journey on LinkedIn. And Mm. then it wasn't until I basically left my corporate job in a bit of a knee jerk reaction, like I'm done, had a massive quarter life crisis, like just left. Um, And that was February 2017. And for me, like leaving was very much, you know, I felt like I could at work, I can never be like Alex Mm. it was always work Alex and outside of work it was outside of work Alex and you know outside of work Alex would never go into work and vice versa 
so when I left I was like one I just want to be me I don't want to have to act in a certain way or be a certain thing and for me that was massively driven by the fact that at 24 I got in into management so that was you know a huge amount of responsibility at quite a young age so I really juggled with this whole sort of authenticity and vulnerability piece um when I was in the corporate world so when I left it was really like I I want to shed that you know that skin or that way of being whilst I was there and I wrote a post um, about the story of why I aspired to get into the city and, you know, what my def- realizing my definition of success was so wrong that it was mm. based on money, power and status. Um, but that actually it was a good thing that I got that because I'd been working for it for so long. And actually, I realized it wasn't what I wanted. And that post actually went viral. So it was really kind of the the start of Authentic Alex. Um, but I always think that started a bit earlier, but visibility wise and getting myself out there, that was really the first time that I was vulnerable and, and open on a very public and professional forum. And what drove it to go and, and reach further afield than maybe your, your general connections? I always um, pin it down to relatability. Mm. So, it, you know, all of a sudden, 80,000 people around the world have read this. They've got hundreds of likes, comments, shares and everything. And I, I was thinking, why? Like straight away, my business hat on. <laughs> I was like, one minute, what's going on here? Why has this resonated so much? And I think it was hugely down to the fact that I talked about um, mental health. I talked about being stressed, depressed, um, having anxiety, um, relationships broken down, all because I was in this kind of rat race to have money, power and status. And actually, you know, we we never tell people that that definition of um, success based on what we think is societal success has these sorts of repercussions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people live maybe a little bit later on in their career or they have that revelation. But for me, I, I ended up having it quite young, which a lot of the comments were, it's insane that you've you've realized this at such a young age. And a lot of people saying, you know, I've just gone through this and I'm towards the end of my career. So I think it just opened up a conversation with a completely different audience, because obviously before it was very sort of student graduate focused. Um, and it didn't matter where you were from or what job you had. It's something that at some point in our lives, everyone sort of goes through. Do you do you think this is a growing issue or do you think that people are starting to realise and talk about um, what status means to them, what life means to them and, and, and how they should be living their life in a more fulfilling way? Yeah, I think it's a it's definitely a growing issue. I think, um, dare I say the M word, um, us millennials are a little less patient with waiting to see it out or to, to kind of bite our tongues and and kind of push through it like maybe previous generations have Mm. been so I think that generation has more itchy feet than than prior ones so they're more inclined to figure it out to find an alternative to leave jobs to you know do startups you know it may be that they try that and it's not for them and they go back into the corporate world I think that's a trend we might see as well and because I definitely can see why this wouldn't be for everyone this sort of (laughs) lifestyle and I think that yeah to a certain extent there's a lot of adults maybe later on in their career and I see that a lot with my clients that actually they've they've done the whole corporate ladder and now they're like actually I want to become a consultant have more free time enjoy myself a little Mm. bit more or spend more time with my family and you know maybe these are slight regrets that they didn't do whilst you know a bit earlier on in their career 
Yeah, it's something, um, I mean, I've been working freelance since about 2001. So a good uh, portion of my um, my career, I think I've only had one proper job and that was only for a year and a half. Um, but actually it's taken me quite some time not to get the work-life balance, but to realize I actually don't want to drive a company to make lots of money. <laughs> you know, a lot of the success of a company, even if you're running it yourself as a freelancer or a limited company, is you've got to make money, you've got to have employees, you've got to have an office space and all that sort of stuff. And I think they're, they're very similar trappings to working in the corporate environment. Exactly. I'm 100% in agreement. Um, I think I, I did a post a few months ago, actually, almost even maybe a year ago, that I, I bumped into someone at a conference and they said, you know, Alex, you could be doing so much more. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to. <laughs> because, you know, what's the point of leaving that rat race to just create your own under your own brand sort of thing? Um, and I think, you know, I'm I'm very happy with where I'm at and I'm very conscious of the state of my sanity and mental health that to me that comes before anything um in, you know even making money so no I, I'm absolutely in complete agreement it's very easy especially as a business owner where you're juggling you know five six different roles to to you know grow your business to kind of be swept up in a similar situation yeah absolutely um, just coming back to LinkedIn, um, you've said, uh, I've seen somewhere that you said that LinkedIn is the best kept secret in social media. And I, I, I agree with you, not so secretly. I, I think it's uh, an amazing tool. Um, I, I actually hate Facebook. Um, and in fact, anything, I, I, I don't really like social media that encourages a lot of narcissism and just sort of this um, very base posting of uh, media, no, no real communication and, and dialogue. And I think LinkedIn not only has been more useful as a sales tool and just general communication, but you tend to have... Um, certainly for me, I tend to have much better uh, natural conversations with people uh, on LinkedIn. Um, why, why do you think it's so good? What, what do you think is so useful about LinkedIn? Um, I mean, it's just changed massively. Um, mm. And I, I say it's the best kept secret because a lot of people are still not understanding how to use it for now. Yeah. They're still using it how you were you know, using it five years ago. And that is like, it's completely different, you know, before it was the place that you just uploaded your CV and mm -hmm. you applied for jobs. And now it's probably one of the best tools in terms of marketing and sales that you could ever use because it's, it's just grown into this community, into this sort of social networking. Like for me, it's almost like a blend of, of your regular social media with the previous LinkedIn, which is actually kind of an interesting um, in-between. And I think that especially for businesses, it's like right now I've seen so many friends and businesses and clients sort of do their social media everywhere and actually go, you know, the biggest ROI right now is on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. That's not to say it will be forever, but right now in the last sort of two years, I would say it's it's just been great to be on because there's been so much um you know, visibility that they've created off the back of, you know, launching features like video, launching features like uploading documents and all those those sort of things. It's rapidly changing, you know, LinkedIn Live coming soon. So for me, I just think that, you know, I see so many people, especially when I go to conferences and, and talk about this, they're like, I had no idea it's turned into that or I can see it happening but I'm not ready to put myself out there in that way. And I just think it's a missed, a massively missed opportunity. I always say, you know, I went from being a regular 25 million user to all of a sudden being in the top 12 most influential content creators for the last two years running. I, I would say I don't have 
anything that special <laughs> um but it, it's consistency it's you know having a message and wanting to continue to add value to that community and in the uk there's actually not many people that do that um you know it's very heavily focused in the us and canada but i think slowly people are starting to understand that and i always say LinkedIn is like the YouTube and the Instagram and the Facebook before they became YouTube, Instagram and Facebook, um, because actually it's it's kind of new in a, in a way, the way it's now. Um, and if people jump on that bandwagon now, they'll see the, you know, they'll see the return very quickly. Yeah, it hasn't been ruined yet. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not to say it can't yeah. happen. <laughs> but, you know, fingers crossed it won't. Yeah, and I, I've always liked LinkedIn, even before, I think, before their sort of dramatic change or this. It's not it's a dramatic looking back on it, but it has been a slow sort of move into into where they are now. Um, and as I said, it's just just being able to have more genuine conversations with people on there rather than uh, um, social media like Facebook is just for me anyway, just doesn't work very well. Uh, Twitter tends to be um, so so all consuming that it's, it's very difficult. Um so off the back of LinkedIn, you've got, um, you create a LinkedIn local event. Now, the reason I'm particularly interested in this is I set up a, what sounds like a similar actually event, really, getting to meet the avatar in real life. So that the people you meet on LinkedIn and meeting them in real life. And I, I took over the idea of a tweet up. Um, I heard that somewhere on a blog, looked into it, thought, oh, this is great, you know, hooking people up wherever they're online. Um, and we did it for some, a number of years, not quite so successful as yours, but uh, it was really nice. And actually, I got a lot of that, um, the genuine conversation you're talking about. And people really like meeting. So anyway, I'm going to shut up. Tell me about how you started your LinkedIn local event and, and where it's gone to now, because it's, it's grown quite a lot. Yeah. So um, when I left my um, corporate job, I started meeting with my LinkedIn connections offline for what I called no agenda coffees. And the idea was kind of what you were saying build relationships with your network, get to know them in person. At that point, I didn't really have anything to sell because I'd left my job and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life, basically. <laughs> and if anything, I was using these coffees to kind of guide my my way to, to figuring that out. Um, and I just really, you know, got to know people, got to know their challenges and, and what who they are and what they're about and what they do. And then I saw a post on LinkedIn by a lady called Anna McAfee that was doing something very similar. So I had the, I was using the virtual to reality hashtag and she started using the LinkedIn local hashtag. And um, Anna used to engage um, a bit on my content and I messaged her and said, oh, what is it that you're doing? It looks sort of quite familiar to, to virtual to reality. And so she said, oh, I haven't done one yet, but this is the idea. And I said, actually, that's what I'm doing, but in a group. And I said, I'd love to bring this to London. So I wasn't the only one that contacted her. There was a guy in Brussels called Eric Eklund and a guy in New York called Manu Goswami. And so all four of us got on a call and thought, okay, let's do this all together. Let's see what happens. Let's go from there and feedback and whatnot. So we all did our events in July 2017. Um, and then about 15 people came to each of our events. And we thought, should we do it again? And we thought, yeah, why not? And the idea behind it was really, for me, a lot of it was I was going to these networking events, trying to find other people growing businesses, other people that might help or connect or give or whatever. And it was the opposite. People were like clamoring for business. They were shoving business cards in your faces. They were trying to get something out of you before giving. And I just thought, you know, there has to be people <laughs> that want to do the opposite. Yeah. Um, 
you know, people that want to motivate, empower and inspire each other um, and help each other out, really, and, and educate and whatnot. And so for me, it was really about building that community in London. Um, for Anna, she lives in a really small town called Coffs Harbour, just outside of Sydney. So she had to, like, email 200 people in the local area and say, I want to bring us together. Mm-hmm. So, so hers was you know, same intention, a little bit harder in terms of the work behind it. Um, and it it was right, okay, let's let's do this and see what happens. And it just continued to grow, you know, doing it every month. Um, more people started talking about it. They loved it because obviously it had a very different feel to normal networking events. We started getting a lot of introverts, so people that would, nest, you know, normally be hiding away from these sorts of events were like, oh, this actually feels comfortable because it's a different agenda it's a different um way of connecting and meeting people and we were saying that's not to say business doesn't happen off the back of these events it's we just prioritize a relationship and getting to know the person first and whether you want to go for a coffee or lunch after then that's entirely up to you um and then Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, um, liked one of our posts in September, so a few months after we started. That post got seen by about 1.4 million people. And then all of a sudden, we got very visible. Um, more people started asking what we were doing. I had quite a big following at the time, and so did Manu. Um, and we were connected to a lot of the other sort of smaller influencers across the world that were starting to get intrigued about running them. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing just snowballed, (laughs) like just massively snowballed. And in 18 months, we grew it to 80 countries in over 600 cities. Um, And I think right now it's at about 90 countries. um, And I've I've lost track of (laughs) the numbers at this point. Um, So, yeah, it's just it's grown massively. Uh, We've got about a thousand hosts um, and approximately about 100,000 members. And everyone gets onboarded by us. So it's the same sort of ethos no matter where you go in the world. And I mean, I've been to events in Sri Lanka, in the US, other ones in the UK, um, in France, in the Netherlands. And they all have the same feeling. Like that's a very common question I get asked when I go to them is, is it the same everywhere you go? And I said, yeah, it brings the same type of person, people that are curious, people that are open minded, people that are more willing to kind of give um, and help and you know it's it's great to see the or and hear the stories that come off the back of this with you know people finding jobs mm. people getting more business um you know people that weren't leaving their house uh, all of a sudden leaving their house or you know m- people with mental health issues that have found communities they can belong to and to me that you know it's been a huge amount of time and effort and love poured into it (laughs) Um, because obviously all of our events are not for profit so we've never made a penny off any of it Um, and I think that's why it succeeded so much there was never an intention to to kind of monetize it essentially and that's not to say that we haven't set up a business off the back of it (laughs) Um, but that's slightly different it's helping businesses to create something similar that we have within their own um, businesses essentially yeah, I was going to ask, could you set out a format as well? But it said you 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 know you onboard a lot of the people who are starting up, and anyone who's volunteering. And I think it's important to have that consistency for your for your groups. Um, and in in terms of encouraging adoption, is that something that was just that happened organically by people visiting and and the network of LinkedIn, or, or did you did you did you support that in some way? In terms of people wanting to become a host, yeah, or- yeah. 
Uh, that wasn't hot. I mean, that wasn't us. That was literally just people hearing about it, word of mouth through through online. Um, it was getting a lot of the influencers involved helped us massively. Right. Um, because obviously they've got big networks and very often you see these people sort of creating content and teaching you stuff. And then if they say, oh, I'm going to be at this event, people go to see them and meet them. So that was also an attraction. Um, when we started doing events that were sort of teaching people stuff, you know, again, ticket prices were very minimal, mm. um, if not free. So all of a sudden you could go and spend your evening learning something from experts um, for free and, and have a drink and meet new people. So that was also attracting the um, people. And I just think generally, you know, the feel of community is something that I think people, I always say, you know, we weren't the first to come up with this idea. You know, there's like you said, you've done something similar and there's been there's probably been tons of other people that did this. I think we sort of got lucky with the the wave of popularity with LinkedIn and, and the change that happened. Um, but I also think that it was also it came at a time where there's a lot of conversations around, you know, loneliness, social isolation, mm. technology kind of dividing us. And we were trying to do the opposite. Let's let's marry that technology with the human interaction and the face to face stuff. I, I Yeah. And I'm, you say it was just luck, but I think in some ways, I mean, and that's what's what particularly interests me about this is um, building momentum and building a community is hard. It's a really tough thing to do. And that's what every big company really wants. If they can build a big enough community off the back of their application or their, you know, um, app or, or software, whatever it is, then they can they can drive more conversions that way. I, I think what was great about yours is you did have multiple people involved. There was a small community to begin with. And um, I'd imagine you, you were talking about consistency. I think that helps um, building this thing over time, which is really important. So it's really interesting to understand how these movements are built, um, because that's how you can you can try and replicate them. I, I think it's also you know we we always kind of talked about connecting humans and and mm. creating connection, which was really kind of our our mission and our our vision around it. You know, let's let's do that, and people really bought into that you know they buy into that that's why they want to get involved and they love the fact that it's a not-for-profit and all the money if they're if people are charging for tickets all the money goes to a local charity so you know it's creating a community that gives back to the community and I think you know people love that sort of thing as well yeah and as you're saying it doesn't mean that you can't make money from it somehow just not directly from that enterprise but so is this the local x um project that you were talking about that's sort of yeah. rolled off the back of this it, yeah, so we, we set up Local X um, last year, towards the end of last year, um, because we, we basically wanted to build a technology to house a community. So when we started looking at, um, you know, apps out there and companies that are doing that, we found very little first. Um, it's quite a new market. Mm. And then when we dug a little bit deeper and saw what was out there, the quality wasn't the best. Um, and when we started talking to other people that had communities, they all had this struggle that actually the technology out there is not, not that great um, and also have communities that need a digital house. Um, so we thought, okay, let's um, let's build that technology. So that's kind of what we're doing in, at the moment. Um, but actually what we realize again is whilst people are providing the technology, that's only one part. Mm -hmm. Building the community, like you said, is an ideal thing for businesses, but you know, not a lot of people have that experience. There's a lot of 
events uh, coordinators, managers, etc., and maybe some community managers. But again, that role is relatively new. Um, and we it kind of happened off the back of speaking at an events marketing conference in London at the Barbican, where I got asked to come and share the story of LinkedIn Local and, and how to network in the digital age. And off the back of that, I just got approached by so many businesses saying, how do we build communities within our businesses, with our clients, mm-hmm. um, or with our group of um, whatever individuals they had, uh, maybe even their staff? And all of a sudden, it kind of just was like a light bulb moment. Like, why don't we just consult on this? Because we spent the last two years um, pouring all of this um, energy into this, learning as we went along, making all the mistakes, learning what worked um, and breaking it down and, and offering it as a as a consultancy piece. And the minute we started talking about it, a lot of people started to become in, interested because, you know, Businesses are trying to find new ways of doing marketing that's not just cold calling or yeah. you know, sending messages on LinkedIn. And we thought, okay, well, you know, this is a great way to to basically help people, like you said, convert those leads, to turn your clients into brand ambassadors, and to create events that are actually valuable yeah. to your clients. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that pour money into events but with no real strategy. And what we realize is with when we are talking to companies that have memberships, they'll have a membership, but they don't actually have a community. Um, And that's a very different thing. So, you know, we're talking to a lot of kind of co-working spaces or Mm -hmm. membership forums with business owners and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that, that community is, is hard to build. You need to work at it. Um, I, I, uh, we've got a small community with it, community in inverted commas with our clients. And something we've been starting recently is uh, like a group chat webinar. So we get together and talk about a topic because I love doing events. Uh, probably don't do as many as you, but I do love doing it and meeting people. But it's hard work. It really is hard work chasing people up because you have to work hard to get people to come until you get that momentum where they're doing that work for you. Um, so I do appreciate how, how difficult that is. And so it's great that you, you've you made all the mistakes many times over until you know you have a really good idea about what works and what doesn't work and, you know, what might work for different businesses. How can how can people get involved in that? What what sort of what do you have available? Is there software? Is like consultancy, online stuff? What, what yeah, so it's, uh, it's our website's www.localx.org. Um, so it is a consultancy piece. So we come in and do an audit of what people are already doing, what business is already doing. Um, and then we kind of present them with a strategy and then we say, okay, here's the strategy. If you want us to execute, we can, but if not, you can maybe hand it over to your marketing team or your community managers, etc. cetera. Um, and then off the back, we then have the technology um, that is in the process of being built at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, I, I hope it goes well, because I, th- I think it's something that is sorely needed in a lot of these um clubs as you say that don't have communities and there's there's no real value to them or events that are just a bit dull and boring and don't offer anything of, of any use um just on a slightly different tack um certainly on, on your website you talk about personal brand you've developed your personal brand quite well in terms of re- refining and honing it um how if, if you were looking at or you're talking to small businesses out there who want to start or individuals how would they go about defining that brand and getting to something which is much more concrete and that's easy to refer to refer them? Yeah. Um, for me, it's really, really about creating personal brands within the business brand. Um, I think very often 
companies rely on on just their company brand and i think that they really need to be developing their like the personal brands of their employees mm. because actually it's a lot more effective doing that um especially on linkedin than actually just having a company mm. brand and logo um so that's really looking at people's stories um their expertise what their tone of voice is um brand anchors like there's lots of areas to sort of explore, but it's really leveraging the employees you have to be your brand ambassadors, essentially, um, rather than focusing primarily on um, the company brand. And, you know, part of that is when I see a lot of when I do a lot of talks around this. Um, one of the things I always talk about is stop using your company page. <laughs> stop using your company page on LinkedIn because it yeah, just does not give you the ROI. No. Um, I've got they look a, rubbish too. <laughs> yeah, I've got a following of about 33,000 people. Um, and actually, if I do a post from my company page, I will get maybe 10% of those people um, say, not even 10, like even smaller, yeah. say like like or engage with it. If I do it from my own um, profile, I have then have like over 300, 400 likes or engagements on that. So it's drastically different. And even if you look at bigger brands and company pages than mine, you know, like the um Deloitte or Ernst and Young or you know all of those um big brands actually they don't really have that much engagement either yeah. despite having millions of followers so i always say don't focus necessarily on on the company focus on the individuals within the company um and that goes for you know the person right at the top which is the ceo um but also looking at sales and marketing teams to leverage their brands because essentially they're the ones doing that business development piece for you you mentioned engagement and this is something i've i wrestle with on social media um i come from a web world so really i want visits to a website i can measure it easily i can see what's going on uh, track people to a certain degree through the through the uh, the funnels you can see where they end up if you're looking at actually buying something on the website when it comes to social media it's um I find more difficult to work out exactly what you want from engagement. What what does engagement mean to you? Let's say let's take LinkedIn as an example. What make what is good engagement? Something that is actually worthwhile for your business. So good engagement isn't necessarily having a huge amount of likes. It's more having comments good, that yeah. people are essentially engaging with you in a conversation because you're creating a touch point with a potential client. Yeah. Um, the thing to have in your post is that call to action that then kind of like, you know, normal funnels will send them somewhere or will give them a call to action to do something next, um, whether that's in your video or the written piece that goes with that content. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, it's very easy to get excited by vanity metrics when you're starting out but actually it's really what happens off the back of that that's more important and you know for me it's it, again it goes back to consistency um one of my biggest contracts came from deloitte uh, because they saw me on video talking about personal development things and actually i didn't really do that series specifically to um to, to my target audience i did it for just my following because i know they asked me a lot about that mm -hmm. but i'm also conscious that i train in a lot of those you know talks so i was aware that at some point someone was going to see that and it would be useful to them so you know that's the kind of thing that i think again 
it, you have to have the right people in your network in terms of your target clients for them to be able to see what you're doing. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a piece that I work on with my clients, make a list of if you could work for any company, who would you be working for and what kind of role would they have and have them in your network. And that doesn't mean add them and sell to them straight away. It means add them and just leave it for a bit to simmer, let them see your content. And at that point, pick up the conversation a few weeks down the line. Um, along your journey, tell me about maybe one or two challenges that you've had um, that you've overcome. Um. I would definitely say the mental health one. <laughs> um, that's just... Do you mind you know, talking about that a little bit more? Did, can you, are you able to explain what, what you mean by that? Because it's quite a broad term, mental health, and I think it's more specific for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was working in the city, um, I'd aspired to, to be working in the corporate world since I was 18 and I did an internship. And I was the very definition of, you know, the corporate dreamer, the uh, wanting the the big salary, the working in the city, the international travel, the designer clothes and the fancy business lunches. Um, I come from very humble beginnings, so it was only natural that my uh, inclinations were a little bit on the materialistic side. Um <laughs> And is that natural? I, is that is that what to expect? No, sorry, go yeah, on. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I mean, I talk about it. I've written about it. I yeah, no, I've, I've read one of your posts on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when you don't have money, you want money. When you don't have power, you want power. When you don't That's have status, true. you want status. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was, you know, this slog to, to get to the top. And when I got it at 24, you know, the idea was to get there at 30. And when I got it at 24, it kind of really threw me off. Because I was like, one minute, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> um, and one, that was one, uh, the shop. And two, it was like, actually, this doesn't feel like I thought it was meant to feel. And all of a sudden, there was this massive void um, and a lot of confusion. And it's like, you know, I've been working towards this for the last six, seven years. And what have I been working towards? This isn't what I, what I want. And just the whole thing kind of came crashing down in combination with having a job that required me to train over 400 people globally and doing it on my own. So I was the person that designed, delivered, admin, sales training, product training, process training, like everything under the sun. So there yeah. was a lot of pressure and there was a massive amount of workload um, and a lot of expectations as well from my boss, from family members, etc. So all of that in combination kind of sent me down this massive breakdown um, slash depression. And it was actually a colleague um, at the time in my job that turned around and said, Alex, I think you should go and see a therapist. And I was like, no way, that's just so not my thing. Um, like, I just, no, I can't. I'm, I'm half Colombian, so I come from a family that's very much, you've got a problem, sweep it under the rug. <laughs> like that's, yeah. That depression's not in the vocabulary. So I kind of got... I had the same attitude and I was like, I'm strong. I can get through this. And I was so far from <laughs> in that state of mind. And he kept on just relentlessly kind of poking me and going, you know, you should, you should do it, go, go. And that to me, I ended up going, it was the beginning of the end. It was really kind of working through my shit, really uh, part of my French and like actually getting through that process and unpicking all of the things that actually had brought me to this point and realizing actually I'm not in a job that aligns with my values I'm not interested in being in the city anymore and you know I've always been a bit of a square peg in a round hole 
um and actually this this doesn't really suit my me and and my lifestyle which is why you know i'm so fiercely about authenticity because when you're not it's like you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders really um and that's why i encourage people and unfortunately there's a lot of businesses that don't allow you to bring your whole self to work um i know it's such a shame it's, yeah. it, it's such a shame because it will it will affect people at some point. Some people are maybe better at dealing with it than others or, or pushing it or repressing it. But yeah, there's a lot of businesses. I, I mean, as the, I see lots of businesses, large and small, where, where you, you can see that sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, I did a lot of um, videos after I left my job talking about my experience with depression, um, stress, anxiety, how to help people in the workplace if you feel like um, something's going something's not okay um i re more recently in the last few months did something on suicidal ideation um which came off the back of seeing someone else do a video about it and actually going oh i didn't know i had that mm. <laughs> um so i did a video talking about her video and the impact of why it's important that we have these videos and conversations because actually you know she's massively kind of impacted me in putting a name to something i had but i didn't know i had and there's a comfort in that and I've had someone message me and go, you know, I've watched a video and realized that actually I do have depression and went to my doctors and he's now provided me with, you know, um, getting a therapist and medicine and whatnot. And I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations um, online. So that that's my first one. And now I've forgotten the question. <laughs> it was just about your challenges. And obviously that that was sort of kind of the crux of it. And that's kind of what kicked off a lot of everything else, you know, where yeah. what you got you to what sort of this burnout really that, that started things off um, and I would say my second challenge which is very closely tied to mental health is actually spinning plates um, you know I, I have a yeah. port portfolio <laughs> career which is absolutely great and I'm incredibly privileged to to have my fingers in many pies and enjoy all the things that I do in the variety it keeps me entertained um, but then there's a challenge with that that you know I've I do a lot <laughs> uh, and I'm out a lot and I'm meeting a lot of people and, and doing lots of different things. And it's finding that balance again um, with work and or not work and life. I hate that expression, just life. Yeah, um, it is life. They're all the, they're, it's all the same. Um, and trying to, to manage that and be conscious that, you know, my mental health still needs to be looked after despite not being in the corporate world. <laughs> How do you manage the, that plate spinning? I have a way of doing it because in, in some ways I, I ha do lots of different things as well um, and have different hats, I guess, to my job. Um, how do you manage that? What's the best way of, of making sure expectations are met, but without affecting you, you too much? Um, I am a massive list person. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a list for everything. Um, so I think it's it's a it's a list thing. I also have a partner that works in wellness. Um, so he's very Andy. much like keeping tabs on me. Yeah. And he, you know, just this weekend, he was like, it's a weekend. It's not work. It's a weekend. <laughs> um, so that helps. Um, but I think also, you know, for me, a big focus this year, and I guess my New Year's resolution to a certain extent was looking after my health, mm. um, whatever comes underneath that. Um, broader bracket or, or theme so you know being able to go to the gym um you know i recently started bouldering so oh, doing yeah, yeah. doing things that kind of get me out of that work mode um yeah. and gives me time to be a bit more creative i found that 
you know, sometimes being in it all the time doesn't give you the space to actually move your business forward because you're too attached to it or you're too in the midst of it. Um, so I think, yeah, just making time and, and making lists. <laughs> lists are good. I found that I was listening to far too many podcasts. Could you believe it? Um, not only have I got far too many, but I wasn't coming to the end of it. So there's some anxiety about not being able to listen to them all, but that's a minor part of it. But I found that actually um, I would fill my day where possible with stuff going on in my head. Um, and I, uh, I walk the dog in the morning and that's when I listen to the podcast. And I, I actually felt that actually sometimes I should just listen to nothing. Because then what comes out is everything starts pouring back out of your brain and you're able to get it out of your head and it's not just running around all the time. I mean, I've stopped reading books for the last two years for precisely the same reason. Mm. And it's really bad. There's an, there's an element of me really wanting to read a book again, but I used to read so voraciously and it got to the point and, and you know consume content as well as creating content to the point that I just don't have space in my head anymore and I'm, I'm realizing you know I sometimes forget things and I just I actually need to you know get away from from that and and consuming and be a bit more you know open and eventually when I manage that a bit better um I can then start reading again yeah I'm I'm, I'm nodding away to everything you're saying there <laughs> um so just to finish off can you um would you give us two pieces of uh, linkedin marketing advice that you'd recommend to sort of a new business or anyone anyone who's using linkedin at all um i would just say start um a lot of people are just blocked by taking that first step of oh i don't really want to put myself out there and i'm scared of being judged mm. or i'm scared of uh you know i'm too shy or it's not in my nature to be on camera or write something and I would just say it doesn't necessarily um, mean that you have to be all out. You know, a lot of people see what I do and, and many others that do what I do and think they have to replicate the same. And it doesn't have to start that way. I always say dip your toe in the water, you know, start with engaging in comments um, start liking other people's stuff, maybe share other people's, you know, third party content. And then when you're more comfortable, then start sharing your own Um and then I would say in terms of a second one, um, I just say reiterate the fact that it is more important to elevate your employees um, and train them to, to, do, to really use LinkedIn, especially in sort of sales marketing or even founders and CEOs than doing it from a company page. Like mm. that's just, yeah. Yeah, completely agree. And so on that note, um, to sign off, um, can you give us the website again for Local X, your, your yeah, project? It's www.localx.org. Okay, I'll make sure that's in the show notes for this. Um, is yeah. there anything else you want to mention? Yeah, my own website is www.authenticalex.com. Excellent. We'll make sure people go there as well. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I know it's been quite a while um, and some trials and tribulations getting this set up, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it. Uh, certainly uh, a, a lot of things you say resound with me, so and I'm sure it will to, to the listeners as well. So thank you very much for your time, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you like this interview, you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to more interviews with fascinating people, plus our monthly podcast on business creativity and the web. To get the latest episodes the moment they are available, you should subscribe directly in Apple Podcasts, Overcast or whichever podcast player you use. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. Bye.